What up, what up? Jimmy Murray here with Frank Padalano, and we are the Cashflow Kings. The Cashflow Kings podcast discusses money, finance, mindset, and investing with an emphasis on cash flowing real estate. Hi, I'm Frank Padalano, and I'm here with Jimmy Murray to help you crush your goals in real estate. So basically, uh, I want to introduce you to a great guy that I met this weekend. His name is Mark Perry. I met him at Ultimate Partnering up in Boston. It was a great networking event with a ton of millionaires and other people that are coming up that way. And uh, it was really probably one of the best ones I've been to in a long time. And uh, then, just to top it off, I got to meet Mark. And uh, Mark has an amazing story, and I really want to uh, talk about it. So welcome, Mark. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Blessed to be on. And uh, before we jumped on, I thought it was incredible, incredible that both of you guys were asking me that I wasn't there, but apparently I'll have to be at the Ultimate Partnering Summit next year. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, definitely love to have you there for sure. <laughs> definitely. So, Mark, where, where did you grow up? And tell us your story a little bit. Take as much time as you want. Okay. Um, I grew up in Missouri. Uh, I'm originally from uh, Columbia, Missouri, uh, which is a small town. Population is part of about 120,000 people. Um, even a smaller town than that is Boonville, Missouri, where I actually uh, have a lot of my family lives at uh, there as well. So the state of Missouri is really where I'm from. Um, my background was, you know, as coming up, you know, as a, a older guy and, and playing basketball in the sports and being in school, you know, uh, you know, I discovered that uh, maybe uh, the basketball wasn't going to do too much, so I had to figure out another route. Um, came in the direction of where, you know, kind of got caught up in um, in the street life a little bit. Um, you know, did a, a lot of negative things out there, and and, um, and it was it was it was fascinating because I think when I was doing it, it was more of I was just trying to follow people. I was more of a follower. I wasn't a, I wasn't a leader of anything. I was just seeing what everybody else was doing and. And I was like, okay, is, is that the thing to do? I guess I'll do it as well. So just seeing those type of situations and, and seeing a lot of negativity uh, coming up as a child and uh, coming through poverty and so forth, it was just uh, really, really, really crazy. So uh, went through all that, you know, caught drug cases back in 2006, 2007. Um, got a little bit of time in the county. I had to do some time in the reality house. Uh, and, you know, I had to pay a lot of fees, pay attorney fees. You know, when I, if I didn't pay for an attorney, I probably would be doing 15 years right now. So, wow. Yeah. So it was pretty crazy. And, and, uh, you know, it was just a learning experience. I knew, you know, when I had my first child, uh, it was my daughter. I knew I had to figure out another direction. So, uh, it's, you know, it's it's now. things change. Things, uh, things always change when you have a kid. Uh, I'm with you. I, I, I went through similar, well, not, what you went through, but similar kind of that, that change in mindset when you have your first child. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, because I mean, to be honest, man, I ain't really, I wanted to do something different the whole time. It just, you know, when you, when all you see is that you just adapt to it, you know, like if that's right. what you see, you adapt to it. So I didn't know no right way out. You know, I just thought I was either at one point in time, I thought I was going to be dead or in, or in prison. Um, so I just like, man, I gotta, I gotta do something different. So, so you found, you found your, you found your turning point when your daughter was born, and then how did how did you work to adjust from there? Hold on, hold on, Mark. How old's your daughter now? Just so we know. She's six. She's six. Yep, six years old. Yep. So 
six years, six strong years, man. Six nice. thousand years. So. Nice. But yeah, the, the turning point was um, I always wanted to get involved in real estate. I just didn't know how to get involved in real estate. So the turning point was, you know, like I just made a decision, like, let me find somebody that can show me how to do real estate, you know, um, and however that was going to happen, I was going to figure out a way. This is this was a jump point from me getting involved in real estate. So I found a mentor named Laura. She's out of uh, St. Louis, uh, Missouri, and she started showing me how to wholesale houses. That's how I first started off. Let's awesome. pause you right there for a second. So you were pretty good at sales already. Right. Checked, right? Right. Yeah, I was pretty good at sales. I uh, moved a lot. You know, I, I moved a lot. That's the reason why uh, when we was at the, the event, you know, the lady was, and I was asking her, like, you know, I'm ready to win at Mercedes Benz. She was like, well, have you ever had a Mercedes Benz before? I was like, yeah, I had like three of them. So I wasn't no uh, small time guy. I was pretty. I was pretty, I was pretty out there, you know, uh, so, but it was part of your life, but it was, it was yeah. not necessarily uh, a legal part of, of life. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it is, you know, it's funny because I still get that from a few people that see me now, when they see the change now, they're like, wow, like it's different. So I knew if I was going to go in, I was going to go in all the way. I wasn't going to go in halfway and still kind of dibble and dabble and still do real estate. It was going to be a full thing or otherwise I wasn't going to do it at all. So, and that, that's a critical point is that you have to commit a hundred percent, right? Absolutely. So I know absolutely. I'm a huge fan of visualization in terms of like figuring out where I want to head and just having that vision in my head, but that's a whole part of committing, right? Yeah. Um, so that, that, that's awesome. I feel like, I feel like that, you know, you literally have to become somebody different. Man. You know, you literally have to come somebody you never became, came before, you right. know? You know, like the quote, you know, um, in in order to willing and willing to have something that you never experienced, you have to become somebody that you never became. Definitely. And that's that's what you have to go through. And I think with a lot of people, they don't want to make that leap of change within right. themselves. You know, they, they kind of wanna they wanna go do a, a business, but they don't wanna they don't wanna pursue with somebody that they wanna become, like become that businessman that you want to become, you know. I think that's right. yeah. So right along with your point, do you guys know Charlie Jabberley? I think that's how you pronounce his last name. So it used to be, so I was introduced to him via actually a guy from your area, Mark, uh, Andy Frisella, his podcast, he brought on Charlie and Charlie talked about how he was the former um, manager for two chains. And then he got to a point in his life where it just wasn't a good fit anymore. So he had to create a different image of himself in his own, in his own mind. And he came up with the image of Charlie Rocket. So he wanted to lose weight. He was 300 plus pounds. He's lost a ton of weight. And over the course of the next year, I think he biked from like New York to California or something wild like that. But he just has an incredible story. Um, at the same point, he had a brain tumor where he's incredibly over, overweight. So he has naturally you know, decreased the size of that brain tumor, lost a ton of weight. But it's because he created this idea of himself as Charlie Rocket in terms of Charlie being this great athlete. And then he went and he put in the work to get there. Um, in my business is something similar. So my business is called, or a business that I co-own is called Lion Property Management, but everyone thinks that I'm Jimmy Lion. So Jimmy Lion is who I play on a day-to-day basis in the business. And then that's kind of the role and the vision that I developed develop for myself. And that's something that I would invite people to do that want to get into real estate because I think it's similar, right? So yeah. you create like Mark the Investor, or if you come up with some other creative name of how, or Mark the Wholesaler of how you're going to get after, and you create that image of yourself, and that's what you're working to build. Yes, absolutely. 
I think uh, everything so within, so without. So like you said, having a vision of becoming what you want to become is really important. You know, yeah. outer world, I tell I tell people all the time, I said, man, don't focus on the outer world circumstances. Don't focus on so much of the outer world. The outer world is really like the, the bottom thing. Once you get into you becoming somebody different, then the outer world will change. When you change, yeah. everything around you changes. You know? Yep. And uh, I, I noticed that from proven facts from where I come from to where I am now. I never thought in a million years I'll be meeting the people that I meet, be doing the stuff that I'm doing. I never thought this, man. I never in life thought this because, but once I started understanding, like, and started really getting knowledge and understanding these books that I read now, it's like, oh, so I just got to change myself and I just got to yep. live differently. Then things will change. I'm too busy. I was too busy trying to change the outer world. I was trying to change the outer world, but that wasn't working. Yep. So when I got deep inside myself, that's when things started clicking for me. Yeah, it's like I tell all my employees. I, when they start, I say, hey, who do we compete with? And they're like, oh, well, this property manager or that property manager, this realtor. And I said, nope, you're wrong. And I'm like, think about it. And then I'll come back the next day. And I'm like, there's only one person you compete with. And that's yourself. You compete every single day to become a better version of yourself. And as a company, that's what we do. We compete every single day to create a better version of the company than we were the day before. And I think that that is critical. So look inside and, and work on yourself first. And that's going to get you where you want to go. Exactly. Exactly. And a lot of people got to hear that, man, because that's very powerful, man. You know, it's very powerful. These are just the, the laws of the universe, man. This is one of the principles. So within, so without. You know, you got to start within first and then the outer world will change. Yeah. So if I'm meditating, if I'm visualizing, like you just mentioned, if I'm visualizing the person I want to become, if I'm meditating every day, if I'm reading, if I'm controlling my thoughts, if I'm, you know, listening to, to stuff that's going to inspire me, encourage me to get to the next level, if I'm doing that every single day consistently, then I'm becoming that person. I'm yes. I'm becoming that person. And I do it every day. You know, so I, I just excited about it. it. It actually. I love that stuff. I was going to be this type of stuff. It's like it actually fascinates me now. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, definitely. So, Mark, how did you meet uh, Laura, your coach? Did you say coach or mentor? What'd you call her? Yeah, she was my mentor. It's funny how I met her. Um, I met her through Google. I just looked up mentors for real estate, and she was one of the individuals that popped up. I called her. Um, we got together, and and you know, it was it was from history from there. She just taught me how to wholesale house, and uh, she didn't really taught me how to fix and flip, but she taught me how to wholesale. That was the first concept I got started. What was her background? She was doing the same thing, or? Yeah, she was doing the same thing. She was partnering up with people on deals, and then plus she's a real estate agent as well. So she was, you know, you can call on her to, to see if these numbers make sense or um, she'll partner up with you if she finds a buyer and so forth. So it was kind of that scenario. So she did pretty well. I mean, she's from, I think she's from Hawaii, but she, so she had a license in Hawaii. I think she has it in Missouri and then somewhere else, I think, I think Indiana or something. Where is she now? She's in Missouri? I think she's in Atlanta. The last okay. time I, she sends me emails, though I haven't talked to her in a while, but she still sends me emails. But I think she's been doing some some uh, networking in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. And I assume that was paid mentoring. Yep, paid mentor. I paid her about two thousand. Yeah, no, that's perfectly fine. I just there's so many people that expect uh, everything to be free. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and there's a cost to it. And there's the reason, I mean, we have people all the time that uh, Jimmy jokes all the time because people want to take us out to coffee. And what do you always say, Jimmy, when we talk about that? I, so I, I, I hope this doesn't sound rude as people listen to the podcast, but honestly, our time's worth more than that. The amount of work that we've put into this game, we've put into real estate, into the industry to learn the things that we've learned, 
my time at this point is worth more than a $4 cup of coffee. I would still love to help a ton of people out, but just on the stuff that we do day in and day out, like it's worth it because I know that the knowledge that any of us on this podcast are going to drop can absolutely help somebody out. I know that in the next 20 minutes we could drop three golden nuggets and it could go make them ten, twenty thousand $20,000 in the next year. Right. Absolutely. Your time is valuable. My time is valuable. Their time needs to be valuable too. Right. You're giving, Absolutely. You're giving them from your experience. I was yep. just saying that, you know? Yeah. Oh, awesome. So real estate compared to the other things you could have done. Why real estate? Um, I always felt like I'm going to focus on something that what people need, you know, in the need of uh, real estate. So people always need somewhere to, to stay or, um, you know, have a property to live in. So that was really more of a reason why. And then I was fascinated too by fixing flips. You know, I always wanted to fix and flip houses, but I was always hearing people, you know, how to get involved in fixing flips, but with no money. Um, I thought, at, you know, I would think as a person coming in, no, nah, that can't be true. I got to have some money. But as you understand the game and as you understand it, then you start to realize as you do deals, like, wow, you actually don't need no money. You know, so yes, we yeah, we talk about that all the time. If yeah. you got the deal, the money's gonna follow. It Absolutely. will. Absolutely. Absolutely. So from the time that you engaged your mentor, um, how long did it take you to close your first wholesale deal? Man, it took me about a year and a half. <laughs> it took you know me about what, a year and a half. Yeah. You laugh and you're like, hey, a year and a half. But guess what? Most people don't have the courage to grind it out that long. Yeah. I grind it out, man, and I and the thing is too, man, is is that when I first started, I was working. So I worked at Joe Mockers. I was a detail manager. So okay. I know how to detail cars pretty well. And I was doing the real estate part-time. Um, but I wasn't taking in a full action like I was supposed to. I still was kind of going out a little bit and still kind of, you know, just still being the old me, but not really. I wasn't hustling no more, but I was still had the old me mentality. Yep. So that's, I think when I look back at that, I'm like, oh, well, that's part of the reason why you didn't close no deals because what you was thinking, you didn't close no deals, you know? So, yes. uh, you know, but as I, as I progressed and as I started learning, reading books, understanding things, doing the meditation, started doing different things, then that's when deals started to uh, progress. Yep. Yeah. So how long did it take for your second deal after that first one? Because I bet it was a lot shorter, right? Because then you yeah, started taking more action. Yeah, my, my first deal was a property in Boom Boom, Missouri. My first deal was uh, uh, two properties, actually. Two properties. I took over property subject to the existing loan, and then I uh, did a wholesale deal with Boom Boom. Both properties in Boom Boom, Missouri, which is a population of about 12,000 people. Yeah. That was my first two properties, and then it just snowballed from there. When I, when I closed that subject two deal, successfully closed, the homeowner had another two properties. I was in Washington, Missouri, which I closed those as well. And then she referred me to her brother. And then I closed two deals in St. Louis for him. And then they referred me to her brother, their other, his other brother. And then I closed another deal in St. Joe. So it was kind of like a effect. And it was a whole family. <laughs> you know? I love that. Yeah. That's, so that's the amazing story of the universe will just make things happen when you're ready yeah. for it, right? Exactly. So you finally took the right amount of action, and then it just, like you said, it just snowballed, and these things started happening, and now now you're in the spot that you're in now. Yep, absolutely. And, I, and, and, and it was funny because I took over existing loans, so I had to make sure, hey, look, I'm, I'm making the payments. So I'm making the payments, and then all I did was I went in, took over the property, only had a little bit of equity in it, I put a little bit of work into it, because a lot of these properties need a lot of work. I just yep. carpet and then put it back on the market and so. 
Yeah. So let's let's talk about what a subject to deal is. So Frank and I are familiar, but um, some of our listeners might not be. I don't think that we've talked about that on a podcast yeah. yet. And I think that that could be really valuable. Um, from my perspective, I think that your first deal being a subject to deal, like that's the boss shit right there. <laughs> that, that's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, a subject to is basically just taking on existing. It's kind of like seller financing, but the, but the, the long term already in place. So Basically, you're just taking over existing loan. So whatever that loan is on that property, you're just taking it over. Now, the loan will still be in the seller's name, but you got to make sure you're making the payments. And right. if you take it over subject to, you really got like a couple options. You can turn around and rent it out. You can lease option it out or you can sell it. You can clean it up a little bit and put it on the market and sell it. You yep. know, it's kind of like three options you can work with once you take it over uh, because the deed is transferred to you. And I think a lot of times when People don't like to do it because they look at the do on sell clause. Like, you know, if, if the bank's basically saying, okay, if the loan has been transferred uh, to, if the title has been transferred, then they could call the loan due. But I didn't probably did like 15, 20 deals and I never got to put the loan due, call due ever at all. Yeah, because from the bank's perspective, as long as somebody is paying that, they don't care. They just want their money. Yeah. Right. And, and, and on top of that, not only that they want their money, if they take that property back as a foreclosure, they can't lend out double that, you see? So right. $100,000 house, they can't lend out $300,000 to car dealerships, other businesses. So they don't want to take the property back. They want you to keep the property, you know, yep. make the payments, you know? So I, I had a great, I never got nothing called doing or anything with me. Awesome. It sounds like you put a lot of sweat equity into those. Yes, yes, absolutely. Just, you know, attorneys and paying the fees and, and putting a little bit of money into them and, there was some challenges with some of the houses, but we got them done and, and uh, they just, we moved forward from it. So I'm blessed though for it. I like that. And that was my mentor. That was my mentor, Marco LaBelle. I don't know if y'all heard of him, but he actually does a lot of these subjects who sell financing deals. I learned that from him and I paid him $5,000 to learn this from him. Uh, and then he taught me and, and I actually got my money back because when I closed my first deal, his, his program was like, hey, if you close your first deal within a year, I would give you your money back. You just have a testimony. I'll give you your money back. So I closed for four years. And I wow. Asked you, back, you know, <laughs> so, that's a hell of a program. Yeah, that's yeah. Some good stuff. Yeah. So well, I gotta, that's like <laughs> that's motivating on multiple levels, right? So one, yeah. he can go back and he can say, "Hey, listen, all these I've helped all these folks across the country execute on this." But from your perspective, you're like, "Hey, one, I have what it took to lay out the five Gs, and damn straight, I'm gonna get that money back in a year, right?" So absolutely. Props to you. I like that type of investment. Absolutely. Yeah. Then I actually gave that program to somebody else to make and learn for free. I said, man, I got this for free, man. I mean, for 5000 look, I'm going to give it to you. You learn it, you implement it, and then I want to make your life better. So I gave it out to somebody. Paying it forward. All the first stuff. deal that you did that way, Mark, how much did you think you made in profit on that first one? That first deal I made, uh, she owed it uh, 70000 on it. The property was worth around $100,000. So, but, but what I did was, is I took over existing loan at 70 grand. We sold it for like 98,000. But what I did was since there was a little bit of equity in there, she wanted a little bit of money back. So what I did was I made her a promise her, you know, whenever I sell, I'll give her 10 grand. So I probably made like 15, 16,000 off that deal. So even if you didn't get back the 5,000 from uh, the program, it was still well worth the $5,000 investment. Exactly. exactly, yeah, because I bought it. I made two payments, uh, two payments on the property. Then we uh, somebody we had it on a contract and then they end up closing and I just put carpet in there I just put carpet downstairs and I just had uh, somebody painted 
you know, and that was all I did to it. And I just put it back on the market and sold it. And that's what I tell investors every single day in my business. Painting and cleaning and flooring are going to get you 80% of the way there, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it whole different outlook on a property when it's freshly painted. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it was funny because when I, when I brought uh, somebody that I knew from Bullville and I showed them the house, I'm like, man, so you made tell me you literally got this thing for free? I was like, yeah, I mean, this is my, it's, yeah. I live in this house if I want to. Like, that's what's so powerful about it. When people say, yeah, man, you got to go to get a loan for a property. Like, I know how to get properties, but, but none of that. You know, because what I've, what I've been taught, like how to buy properties. So, right. you know, you don't need no loan or anything for any of these things, man. You just, just got to know how to be creative and, and, and go out there and go take the action. Yeah, and I mean, the other big thing is with Subject 2 is it's not a bad way to buy a multifamily either, right? Yeah. Because yeah. you could... Essentially, if we're in a rising rate environment where rates on mortgages are going up, it could be a really good scenario to purchase a property subject to in the multifamily space. Absolutely. So it's such a great tool to, to buy any type of property, whether you're trying to flip it, wholesale it, you know, hold a multi for, I'd say, a shorter period of time until you can roll it into larger paper or different paper. Just multiple different avenues that you can leverage with the subject to strategy. Absolutely. I agree. And also even lease options. You know, I did a yeah. same concept, you know, and you can play it as a soundless lease option or a straight lease option. That's another way you can get into these deals uh, with, with little or no money. Yep. So Mark, what are you, what are you doing? What are you doing now? Are you doing more flips or more wholesales lately? I've been doing right now. I got going on. Like I, I'm looking at a lot of multifamily. Um, I'm like to share that with people with multifamily right now. And then I got a, I got four properties that I'm closing August 2nd down over them all wholesale deals. So four properties I'm closing there. I got two properties in Indianapolis. We're in the Indianapolis market for the wholesaling deals there. Um, you know, I really got a few team members that's doing most of the work. So I'm kind of like, if they need me just to jump on a call with the seller to get the deal closed or put it on a contract, I'll do that. But I'm not, and then I have a couple of virtual assistants that do a cold call. But uh, we, we got uh, two properties in uh, Indianapolis, we're putting on a contract. We got two, pro- four properties we're going to be closing. Um, I got another 12 unit building that's in West Virginia that me and a buddy of mine has on the contract. Um, and with that deal, that's the same thing, what we just mentioned. That we're going to take that over subject to because what's going on with that deal is he got a 12 unit building, it's totally vacant, it needs work, and he got liens on it. So we're going to go on, we're going to take over the property subject to. So we're going to buy it for nothing and we're going to, we're going to get a private equity partner that's going to give us the $100,000 and put in there. Then we're going to renovate it, get it up to par, turn around and uh, resell it for like three and a quarter to three fifty. That's amazing. That's all good stuff. Yep. And he got a lot of liens. He got some first lien on it, a second lien on it. So we're literally going to go in and take over all of it. Those those are the best deals though. Like um, we come across code enforcement deals all the time where people, you know, they'll have the the liens with the mortgage, but also the liens from code enforcement and things that they have to fix. But those are the most tired landlords to go and hunt down, right? Exactly. Exactly. So I think with this deal, once it's all said and done, if we put the work in there um, and we got two options, we're really debating because right now I'm getting a bid on it. So I'm getting a bid on it. We're going to figure out, okay, are we just going to tackle it ourselves or we might just take it over subject to, and we'll just assign it over to another investor. Make like, we got one investor that's willing to give us 20 grand for it, just to sign it over to them. And they'll, so, come in, and they'll come and take over the property subject to. So that point right there is huge. And it's, and you kind of hinted at this on another deal that you were talking about, but it's something that Frank and I talk about all the time in the sense that it is better to make the fast buck than the last buck, right? Yeah. 
you can look at you can look at all the deals that you just laid out of the things that you're doing. And say, you know what? Maybe I do just make twenty grand here, and then I'll move on to the next one. That's what we're thinking about doing. That's what I'm, that's what I really want to do. So if she's open to it. She already seen the liens. Right now, our last thing is just really getting a bid. I had a guy go over, but he wanted to get a second eye with his, his partner. So we're going to make sure we got this bid in, on track, and that's all we have left. And then we can take it over. They can go take it over subject two, and we can move forward from. It. Yep. Yeah. By the way, Jimmy, that's what great wholesalers do. Great wholesalers have such a huge pipeline. They're willing to sell it for, you know, four, five, six thousand, ten thousand, depends on the size of the property. But I mean, right. they're just churning money. They're trying to be Walmart of yeah. real estate. You know, they just, they're not looking for the top buck, like you said, fast buck over the last buck. Yep. You know, Frank, it's Frank, it's funny that you say that, man, because I talk to some wholesalers and when they send you deals, I'm like, man, this don't make sense based on the 70% rule. Because all wholesaling is just buy cheap, sell cheap. That's what you're doing. You're just buying it cheap and you're selling it cheap. So that's the reason why you got to get it at 40, 50 cents on the dollar. You sell it cheap, whatever that assignment fee is. And it all depends on what you can pick it up for. I mean, every deal is different, you know. So I always just tell people so, you know, you just take, you know, whatever the number is just for, for the listeners out there. If they don't know what that, that rule is, let's just say the property of a, you got a property, the ARV is 200000 and let's say if you times that by 70%, and then if you, and that be, you'll be at 140, now you got to minus the repairs. So the repairs, let's say the repairs are 30 grand minus $30,000. That puts you at your maximum allowable offer is 110,000. That's what your, re, your rehabber or your, uh, your, um, your fix and flip guy is going to buy it for. Right. Now you minus your wholesale fee, which would be 10,000. So that means you need to put on a contract for 100. Yep, exactly. Yep. And sell for 110. So, you know, if nobody know that, definitely want to. Yeah, and that's huge. But, yeah, that's what we've been seeing a lot more of lately. Just folks not focus on that 70% ARV rule or not focus on the right margins and how to tee it up, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, how when you talk to your uh, family about this real estate game and everything else, when you tell them what you're doing and everything else, how, how do people react? Stuff like that. Um. I think a lot of times they really don't care, but all, on top of that, they just, you know, I mean, I had a lot of doubters, you know, um, even, even my own father at one point, he was a doubter at one point you know, uh, because everybody is so caught up on, if they see it, they, they will believe it. They walk, but they don't walk by faith. They walk by sight, you know, so they, okay, if I see it, I believe it. Okay. If I see you making good money or decent money, then I'll believe, I believe you. But why you didn't believe me when I wasn't making you know, so I, you know, so I look at those things, but there was a lot of naysayers in it. Um, but I'm just, I just continue to keep going, uh, continue to keep going. And uh, it is what it is. You know, um, I know what I, I know what I'm capable of and I know what I believe in strongly. And uh, that's all that matters, man. But there was a lot of naysayers, though. So, so I talk the naysayers. About, Jimmy, I'm going to cut you off because, uh, you know, I have a good story with this. Um, talk about the naysayers. My mom doesn't even know that I own real estate. <laughs> just because I knew that my family was negative about real estate. Yeah. So what I did is I bought things through my LLCs and everything else. So she has no idea what we own. And uh, obviously I love my mom and everything else, but it wasn't worth the discussion. You know what I mean? She probably don't even know you got a podcast, huh? <laughs> <laughs> she absolutely does not know about the podcast. Wow, that's, that's crazy. And, and all the all person really wants, you know, you know, like, man, you know, I want to see my mom. I'm proud of, you know, like, look what I'm doing. You know, I nobody in, in my family ever did this. Like, look, look what's, look what's out there for us, you know. But, you know, people just get stuck in their ways. And, 
you know, they they believe what they only believe, you know. But then when they see you doing wonderful things, oh man, you're working too hard, or you're doing this wrong, or you know, hey, you need to need to slow down and do this. Like, <laughs> it just it, it's funny a little bit. <laughs> so, but that's that's just part of uh, you being an entrepreneur. Um, you take life on. Um, you you won't get naysayers. You know, you're gonna get people that's that's not going they're gonna dislike it. Uh, you're not the same. Um, you know, a lot of my friends, uh, you know, we don't speak that much no more. I mean, I'm just, I'm different now. There's no, there's no conversation. I mean, the conversations are different. When you start having different conversations with people that you don't grew up with, and it's like, I don't even know what to really talk about because we just on two different levels. It's just the mindset, that, you know. <laughs> so, but um, I love doing what I'm doing. That's awesome. That's awesome. And circling back on what you guys are talking about, I call it the warm, warm water. I can't even pronounce words today. Warm water versus cold water analogy. Like nobody, first off, warm water and cold water, water if they're sitting in a, a tub, pool, whatever it is, they look the same, right? So nobody wants to jump in until the, you already tell them that the water is warm. You're already doing well. You already can coach them on where they can head, right? So it's the entrepreneurs that are willing to jump into cold water, potentially cold water, that are more successful. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. I'm thinking, wasn't it Grant Cardone? Uh, he says something to the fact that the only people that complain, that can complain that you're working too hard are people that are working harder than you. Yeah. You know, you're going to have a ton of people complaining that aren't working as hard as you, but only if you hear that from someone that's working as hard or harder than you, then you listen to it. Then you respect yeah. it. Because I heard that from my dad all the time, that you're working too much. You need to spend more time on, for yourself. I said, well, listen, the reason why I'm working so hard is that eventually a couple of years down the road, I'll have that time freedom, right? But you got to put in that work up front. Yeah. But I'm with you 100%. I've had the same struggles that you, or similar struggles that you guys have. Yeah. And you already have it, too. And that's the, that's the key point. You already have it, too. Like, that's where that visualization comes from, of already knowing that you already have it, you know? Right. You know, just already knowing like, hey, I'm the I'm the man that I'm that I see myself being already right now in the now moment. Uh, and the right. more that you hold faith to that, the more that uh, you'll, you'll be that person, you know. Absolutely. Because everybody's self pushed out. Right. You know, everybody. That's why when you talk about a competition, when you're in the competition against yourself. Yeah. Everybody in this world is self pushed out. Everybody is self pushed out. So who are you really competing against? You're not really competing against nobody but yourself. Because if I change, if I make, if I just focus on me and focus on my company and focus on what we can do to grow, then that's all that you, you can focus on. You, know, you can't focus on, oh, they doing all this or these people got all the apartment buildings and you can't really focus on that because now you're, now you're in the competing stage, which, which you have to be in the creative stage, creative stage, right. visualization. And when you put these spiritual rooms in there, like I had a mentor for my spiritual as well. And she said, Mark, the spiritual is way more higher than the physical. Right. So the, the, what we see and perceive, if you start putting spiritual in there, it's way more higher than uh, physical, you know. So that's the reason why it's more of like, OK, if I'm going to work on myself, I'm going to work on myself spiritually. Yep. You know, is what I where I'm at. That's why I do meditation. I visualize. I say affirmations. I do a lot of these things every single day consistently um, and hold faith to it, man. You know, I hold faith to it. You got to hold faith to it because in the, like in the Bible says, you know, he a man with faith. Uh, you have faith in your heart, then you should be that person. So just a lot of people don't want to hold that faith. One minute they'll do it for a couple of weeks, and then they'll kind of doubt themselves. Have to just hold faith. I mean, you're gonna have some doubts here and there, but just 
change it up like man everything will work out fine just hold faith to what you want to create man just hold faith yeah it's easy to have faith when things are going well but it's when you really need faith when things aren't going well that's going to help you write that ship exactly so i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna tell you right now you know my fiance can vouch for it when i first started this when i uh when i first started doing this well it was actually when i got laid off from my job at joe Mock. when i got laid off at that time, I was doing real estate part time, but I wasn't really having a whole lot come in. And then I had I had my, my daughter and I had my son coming. It was times where it was challenging, man. It was times where I didn't know how I was gonna make it. Like I didn't know where we was gonna get our next food from. Like it was yeah. hard. I couldn't pay bills. Like it was hard. It was tough, man. But I had to go through all this. Like so, there was times where it was hard, man. Like I'm like, man, I I ain't wanna talk to people on the phone, but I just had to keep moving forward, even when them times was hard. I had to keep pushing, like and keep keeps keep having positive results because that's really where challenges that I tell people like when I was down that was the time where I was like can you really be positive when you down most people can't do that but that's hard to do especially when you're down like when you when you yeah. don't have no money when you, you're, it's hard so yeah. you know that faith like that then you you'll be fine you know so, absolutely yeah I'm with you. It, it was challenging for sure at one point in time but you know you just got to keep you just keep moving forward keep Keep telling yourself good thoughts, man. Keep telling yourself that wonderful things will always work out for you. you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So, Mark, when uh, if someone's listening to this podcast and uh, they're open-minded on changing, what would you recommend right now to make them a better investor? What's one thing they could do to become a better investor? I would say work on yourself first. I would say that's what I should have did at first. I would say work on you Still, still learn the business of real estate. You know, go out there. Still, you still got to take action. But I would say work harder on yourself than you do on real estate. That's what I would say. That's my belief. Self improvement, setting goals. Yep, yep. setting goals, self improvement. Uh, get into your mind, meditate a little bit. Uh, start to start to really work on yourself. You know, um, and then as you work on yourself, take the actions that's necessary uh, to, to to get in the real estate industry. Right. Because I asked a gentleman, I asked a gentleman uh, one time, I was like, man, how'd you get, he doesn't do real estate, but I was like, man, how'd you get successful the way you are? What is like, a, what is something that you can give me? He said, Mark, if I was you, I would work on consciousness first and then take the actions necessary to do the risk. So if you want to be successful in real estate, be successful in real estate and consciousness first. Is what yep. he said. Don't, don't, don't look at it from the outer world. Be successful in real estate and consciousness. Because, like I said, that's the higher part of the, the physical. So get, get, get in that consciousness first and then take the necessary actions. Definitely. Yeah. So what's, uh, what's one book you would recommend right now? You I would rec- reader, so. Yeah, I would recommend, uh, I like Dave Lindahl's book, The Emerging Markets. That's a nice real estate book. Uh, teaching. I'm reading that one right now. Oh, you are? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, recommend, I recommend that book, The Emerging Markets. I recommend... Uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad book that keep, teach you the basics of real estate. Um, I also read the book, The Second Chance of, uh, of Robert Kiyosaki. Uh, that book's a good book as well. And then also like books like, if, you know, when I was talking about consciousness, changing your subconscious, like, you know, one of the other books could be um, The Power of Your Subconscious Mind by Joseph Murphy. Um, that's one of the books I like. And another book would be uh, Neville Goddard, The Feelings is the Secret. So that's another one as well. Jimmy, have you read any of those too? I haven't, but I'm definitely going to take those down. I'm going to go buy those on Amazon once we wrap up here, for sure. Yeah, that, That's all the stuff that I'm really into lately, more the psychology, some conscious stuff to keep yourself moving forward. 
Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Well, because yeah, I, I tell you, man, is when you when you get into that spiritual, man, it's it's just a different, it's a different thinking, man. It's like, man, yep. you, see, you see the world different. You see everything. Yeah. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Now what I know now, would I ever go back? Absolutely not. <laughs> you know, never. Right. What I know now, it's like because I was just so trapped in, it was like, okay, when you figure this out, Mark, you won't ever go back, you know. Yep. And, uh, that's what happens like you know because something was telling me one time quietly it was like mark if you and this was the time that we're on, on uh in the past it was telling me it's like mark if you change your ways i'll give you far more than you ever could imagine something told me that quietly and i'm like what's what way what what i need change you know so, so i just started progressing from there so <laughs> yeah so excited great stuff yep definitely So we hope that you guys enjoyed the Cashflow Kings podcast. Um, in between episodes, if you want to check us out, feel free to give us a follow on Instagram or on Facebook under The Cashflow Kings. Cheers to your success. So the Cashflow Kings podcast is for basic entertainment purposes only. We do not give official legal, tax, or investment advice. Each person should consult their own advisors prior to making any financial decisions.